Have you ever found yourself studying biblical prophecy and you're confused by a lot of the different terminology that's being used? For example, the day of the Lord. What is it and when will it actually occur? Well, in today's podcast, as we dive into 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, I'll be giving you guys a clear understanding of what the day of the Lord means. So get out your Bibles and let's get into it. Hey there, my friends. Welcome to Stand Strong in the Word podcast. Blessed to be with you guys as we continue our study here in 1 Thessalonians. Now we turn into chapter 5. We just finished talking about the rapture in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. So wherever you get your podcast, if you missed that episode, check it out. And when you're there, I'm encouraging all of our listeners, what a great community of Christian people who love God, who love his, his word and love others to make sure you guys put out a review out there. Let people know about the podcast. I would greatly appreciate that. Take the time to leave a review because it helps with the whole algorithm. I get notices a lot about the different podcasts that are out there. Let me just tell you, a lot of the top quote-unquote Bible teaching podcasts are being conducted by a bunch of false teachers. Not, not all the top 10 are, but sadly, through the years, a lot more of them, people like the Andy Stanleys of the world, are becoming more progressive. Uh, you have some top speakers who are teaching aspects of the Bible, and they're getting thousands upon thousands, tens of thousands of hits per day, and a bunch of people are leaving all these reviews, and it just keeps feeding them to dominate the space. And so if we can get Christians like you who want to learn more about God's word comprehensively, contextually, verse by verse, in chronological order. Please let people know about that. Use your platform, share it out there. I'd greatly appreciate that. Let them know about the notes at standstrongministries.org. This is podcast 199, so it's hard to believe we're one away from 200. I was hoping we're gonna get out of 1 Thessalonians by the episode 200, but I gotta tell you, as we're entering into chapter five, there's a lot of meat here. I have 17 pages of notes covering this one chapter. So I don't think that we're gonna be finishing chapter five by episode 200. Now the theme for chapter five is a thief in the night. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna start by looking at verses one through three, and then we'll pick things up from verses four through 11 in the next episode. And what I wanna to cover today, before I dive and read this, I'm gonna read you verses one through 11 so we get context. But I specifically want you to hone in on verses one through three and look at key things. For example, when he mentions the day of the Lord, because that's ultimately what the title of today's message is, is what is the day of the Lord? And that's what I wanna to accomplish today. And in order to understand it, we have to see what Paul means by time and seasons. And if something rings a bell, like have you heard that before from other people in the Bible? I'll give you a hint, Jesus, right? Uh, number two, he refers to the day of the Lord as a thief in the night. And finally, we look at this false peace and this false security that is being uh, proclaimed in verse three. So all this is gonna fit together to help us better understand what the day of the Lord is. So with that being said, let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter five. And let me just read for you guys verses one through 11. And again, if you don't have a Bible, uh, let me just read it for you guys. If you're working out or you're in the car, 
notice the the power of God's word here from Paul it says now concerning the times and the seasons brothers you have no need to have anything written to you for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night while people are saying there is peace and security then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape but you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation." For God has destined us, has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another another up just as you are doing. Had a little hard time reading that passage for some reason. All right, so let's now dive into these first few verses. As I mentioned before, in verse 1, Notice what Paul does as he's transitioning. Now, remember, he has spent a lot of time with the Thessalonians. That's why here uh, we're going to see uh, in verse 2, he, he uses a phrase that's, that kind of kicks back to what he had already been previously telling them. So he's actually going to be unpacking information in this letter like he told them before. And that's a great um, lesson of reinforcement. A great sign of a teacher, right? I've taught you this before. Let's kind of uh, review it. Let's rehash it. Let's go th- make go through it to make sure that you guys better understand the material. Okay, so that's what Paul's going to be doing here is reinforcing what he's already taught them. Now to do that, he says now concerning the times and the seasons. The word here for times is chronos. It means a period of time. In seasons is dates, or in Greek it's Cairo. It means a proper or appointed time. So he's saying. Now concerning this period of time, this, this proper or this appointed time, my brothers, referring to you know, the gathering of the church, he says, you have no need to have anything written to you uh, because he says, for you yourselves are fully aware. So that, by definition, look at it with Greek, is Paul is saying, you guys have been educated on these matters. Now, again, not saying they have like a master's in eschatology or anything like that, but they are well aware of a lot of these things that he's going to be um, extrapolating from previous conversations. And so when Paul's presenting the days and seasons, these times and seasons, what we have to do is in context of the day of the Lord, because that's what he refers to in verse two, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. What Paul's doing here, and this is what we have to understand, because when we see this phrase, day of the Lord, we see the singular word day. And we think, oh, well, it's just, uh, uh, you know, is this just the rapture? Like it's the one incident on a one on a particular day that no one knows when the hour or day will come. And I would say partially true. But what we actually have here, thanks to Paul, is that he's using the plural times and seasons that's that's in conjunction, that's connected to the day of the Lord. So what he's doing here is he's actually considering a number of incidents, okay, that will lead to the day of the Lord. 
Now, again, that doesn't mean that it's like, okay, so seven events to the final big event that's known as the day of the Lord. It still does not mean that. It's a culmination of all sorts of things that ends, right? Or the culmination of God ruling and reigning on earth with us, his resurrected saints, no more sin, no more sorrow, no more Satan, okay? So what he's talking about here is future events that this is something, again, Paul heard repeatedly told them, and he's saying that all we have to consider all of that, all of what will transpire to come. So as we look now um, to verse two, when he's talking about this thief in the night, he says, you guys are fully aware, meaning you guys know you possess this information of the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. So this term day of the Lord is actually describing the coming of Jesus as a sign of vindication. Now, in order for that to happen, guess what? Uh, when you when you take a sequential uh, outlook or, or, or the, when you look at the order of events that will come, we saw in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the rapture. Then we see the tribulation period. Then we see Christ returning. Then we see him ruling and reigning on earth in the millennial kingdom. Then we see um, that Satan is released one last time and he deceives all four corners of the earth. And then final judgment comes, the great white throne and the, the new heavens and the new earth, okay? And that's the sequential order that we have laid out for us. We see bits and pieces of that mentioned by Jesus in the Olivet Discourse. We see that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, now here in chapter 5, that coincides with the book of Revelation, particularly in chapter 6, all the way to the very end in chapter 22. So that's what Paul is actually um, conveying by using the word parousia, which he mentions in chapter 2, verse 19, chapter 3, verse 13, chapter 4, verse 15, and now here in verse 2 of chapter 5. So what he does is he places the rapture and the day of the Lord together because there are similar events in that sequential order that I told you that it will all lead to the final culmination. Now, another thing that's insightful is you could see this in Joel, in Joel chapter 2, verses 28 to chapter 3, verse 2, where he talks about the day of the Lord is actually included in the great tribulation. So if we just looked at the day of the Lord as a final day or as a final event or, you know, that, 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 that ends everything, that's not entirely true. Okay, so you get bits and pieces of the day of the Lord. So things are being accomplished that the day of the Lord in its, in its final culmination of Christ ruling and reigning will end. So that's what he's talking about when he talks about the thief in the night. Because a lot of times what people do is they say, oh, it's a thief in the night. The day of the Lord it must be the rapture then because no one knows the day or the hour. Therefore, it must be talking about the rapture. Well, in part, he is. But the, but, but the day of the Lord is not only uh, in reference to the rapture. Okay, so we have to keep that that clear in our understanding otherwise uh, not only do we mistreat the day of the lord but we actually misrepresent it in context now dr ron rhodes a friend of mine that i studied under at veritas he writes a book called the popular dictionary of bible prophecy and listen to what he says he says the new testament writers generally use the term of the judgment that will climax in the future seven-year tribulation period according to second thessalonians 2 verse 2 and revelation 16 verse 18 as well as the judgment that will usher in the new earth in the end times based on 2 Peter 3, 10 through 13 and Revelation 20, verse 7, Revelation 21, verse 1, Isaiah 65, Isaiah 62, verse 22, and Revelation 21, verse 1. 
Ron says, it is this theme of judgment against sin that runs like a thread through the many references to the day of the Lord, end quote. Again, so the rapture is not judgment day. It's resurrection day, right? But what happens though, after the rapture comes judgment on the Gentile nations that rejected not only the gospel, but mistreated God's people, the Israelites. It's to call the Israelites out of repentance uh, based on the prophecy that we see in Ezekiel 37 and Jeremiah 23 and other, there's other passages. And it's also, again, um, uh, you know, you know, for the gospel to be poured out on the earth because the Holy Spirit's still moving for people to still get saved, which still speaks to the mercy and grace and the goodness and the long suffering of God that he desire, doesn't desire anyone to perish, but that all would come to repentance. Now I'm not going to read all the passages, but I want, I want just to make note that when you see a blend and I'm and it's, that's kind of a, a weak uh, term that's applied to the day of the Lord. But when you do see a, a blend or a complementarianism that goes between restoration and judgment that's the day of the lord it represents both it's not either or it's both and so when you look at isaiah 11 10 through 11 in that day the root of jesse okay so this is prophecy of the lord coming because it says in that day the lord will extend his hand okay to a remnant of of israel jeremiah 23 Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord. I'll raise up for David a righteous branch who will execute justice and righteousness on the land. That's the ministry of Jesus. Joel 2.1 now refers to the day of the Lord as a day of darkness and gloom. Amos 5.18 refers to it as a dark day that no one should desire the day of the Lord. Zephaniah, the great day of the Lord is near and it refers to it as a day of bitterness and mighty men crying in anguish. And talks about thick darkness and the day of a trumpet blast, okay, and battle cries. But then in 1 Corinthians 1, 8, we're talk, we, we say, who will sustain us to the end? Guiltless in the day of the Lord. Uh, Philippians 1, 6, we oftentimes get fixated that he will complete a good work in us. Well, what it says, to the completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Until all things are made new, okay? So, there's there's bits and pieces there there's elements where we see justice and judgment and restoration and so those are descriptive um characters that we see embedded in scripture that describe the day of the lord it's also mentioned as the thief in the night now this is important because we know that no one knows when christ will return so to in, in essence to set all this uh off to set this in motion the rapture has to occur which is one reason um, that I don't believe the rapture occurs in the midst of the tribulation. That happens before. Now, Paul uses the same metaphor as Jesus is referring to it as the thief in the night. Remember the Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24, verses 43 and 44, Paul said, or Jesus said, but know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake. It would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Is that part of the day of the Lord? Yes. That's part. That's not the culmination. That's not the finality. But that's part of the day of the Lord. 
remember the return of Christ and, the, and again, going back to the rapture in, in chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, we are told it's unexpected. That's known as the doctrine of imminency. And that's important. As my friend so eloquently and practically and simply put it, if I knew that my family was coming at some point, okay, they didn't tell me when, but they said, oh, we're coming soon. And I know that I had to build this swing in the backyard for the family, for the grandkids to enjoy, do you think I'll be building it soon? Yes. But if they said, oh, we're, we're going to be there next year, next Christmas. Well, that doesn't mean you get out there right away to go build that swing, right? You'll take your time. You don't need to do it. There's no emergency. There's no sense of urgency. And that's what the doctrine of imminency, the thief in the night does for us. Christ can return at any given time. So it's motivation for us to stay alert to continue to do the things that God has called us to do and to say that this could be the day that the Lord will return and I want to be found faithful. So the the unexpectancy of Christ's return is supposed to motivate us, you guys, to live pure and holy lives. Now, after the church is taken up, there will be great judgment. So the rapture isn't judgment, it's resurrection. But after the resurrection of the saints will come great judgment on those who rejected the resurrected Savior. Now, in this next phrase here about peace and security, notice all this is happening. People are ignoring the times and the seasons. They're not being urgent. They're not living diligent lives. They're not being sober and alert of the return of Christ. And they are just saying there's peace and security. But then he says, Paul says, but then there will be sudden destruction. Now that literally carries the idea of exclusion from the Lord's presence. So it's not just warfare. Suddenly these people will find themselves dead. And you either go into heaven because you knew Christ as the Lord and Savior, or you're excluded from the Lord's presence because you rejected him. And it says they will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. So in the context of the day of the Lord. We have times and seasons. We have this phrase thief of the night. And then we also have this labor pains in reference to a woman being pregnant. So we have to keep these things in mind to understand the day of the Lord. Now, John Wolverd and his every prophecy in the Bible writes this. One of the important signs of the day of the Lord is the fact that the people will be saying peace and safety. That's happening. So guys, we're living in the times when at any given time, Christ can return and will set off in motion, if you will, uh, the culmination, the culminating events that will lead uh, to Christ ultimately ruling and reigning in this world. And so the day of the Lord will be fulfilled. So John Wolver continues to say this, the interpretation teaching that this is the period between the rapture and the second coming fits very naturally into this period, according to Daniel 9, 27, there will be a seven-year period leading up to the second coming of Christ. The first half of this period will be a time of peace when a covenant of peace will be made with Israel. As indicated in Daniel 9, 27, during this period, people will hail peace as having been achieved as mentioned in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 3. Then suddenly the great tribulation will begin and they will not escape its judgment. The world-shaking judgments that precede the second coming are described graphically 
in Revelation 6 through chapter 8, end quote. Now, he's referencing the second coming, not the second coming of Christ and the second advent, according to Revelation 19. He's just return, He's just saying Christ appears in the sky based on the rapture of what Paul was talking about in chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians. Now, Warren Wiersbe says, quote, but it does not mean living in the light of his return, realizing that our works will be judged and that our opportunities for service on earth will end. It means to live with eternity's values in view. So we are not to be living in the world. We are to be living in anticipation doing the works that God has called us to do to fulfill the things that he's called us to do as good stewards until he returns. So we don't run around just talking about peace and security. We are looking for the destruction to come, my friends. We are looking for judgment to come. But thankfully for us, who are bought and sealed by the Holy Spirit, who've been washed clean by the blood of Christ, who profess to know him as our Lord and Savior, we will be freed from that. So this phrase here now, there is peace and security. Paul's message, obviously, um, could have been taken as a direct attack against Roman Empire because the, the emperor was claiming in his time that there was peace and safety. Um, and the people were, you know, living in a prosperous time because of the success of the military power back then. In one of the Zondervan commentaries, it says, although the phrase peace and safety may look back to Old Testament prophetic warnings against false claims of peace on the eve of national destruction, it more likely has in view the contemporary political environment, namely Roman imperial uh, sloganering, Pax Executus, peace and safety was a popular slogan of the imperial Roman propaganda machine. And the concept of Roman peace was vigorously promoted through various media, coins, monuments, and official proclamations. Rome held out to all those who submitted to its rule and promise of peace and safety, virtually an offer of salvation from unrest and danger. Paul, however, Paul, however has a stern warning for all those who trust in the political power of Rome instead of in God. So the bottom line here is people were not looking to God for deliverance. They're looking to man. Just like Israel did before, we want a king. And they're focusing on we care about as long as we're living in peace and safety, we have no care in the world. And that's what happens in America. That happens to us, you guys, in the flesh. Things are great. And this whole idea about Christ returning, no big deal. I mean, I'm getting paid. Inflation's down. I got money in the bank. We're going on vacation. We're going to the beach. We're doing this. We're doing that. My kids are great. You know, we go to all these nice, fancy restaurants. I sit in a very comfortable, luxurious, you know, uh, church that's perfectly at 67 degrees. You know, I got my coffee in hand. They're playing my favorite Hillsong. All this kind of stuff. And we neglect to, 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 to realize that at any given time, Christ is going to come. And so we have to be motivated. We have to live with great conviction. Instead, what Paul, when, so when Paul's using this phrase, he's like, hey guys, you're focusing on what the government, if you will, what the emperor, what Rome is saying. But destruction's coming. Other commentaries believe that Paul's bringing up an Old Testament passage that men, mentioned false claims of peace that we see in Jeremiah 6, Ezekiel 13, Micah chapter 3, verse 5. Matter of fact, if you look at a lot of these passages of scripture in Jeremiah 14, Jerusalem fell because of the claims that were made by false prophets. And he forewarned people. And I believe that same 
that same reality that we see back then is happening today. No different, just different names and, and, and different promises. So people started to turn away in disbelief to the warnings of Christ's return. And that's what Satan wants. Many people turn to a false sense of security and pleasure in the world, and they no longer live with great anticipation for the return of Christ. And so as I end this podcast, I want to say to you guys, sudden destruction will come one day. That's the Greek word is eleutheros. It is not referring to annihilation, but the breaking up of peace and security. And people will not escape it. That word not is in the emphatic. They will certainly never escape it. If you and I have sinned against God, if you right now happen to fall upon this podcast and you have been rejecting belief in God and, and mocking Jesus and disregarding the Bible, but you fell upon this podcast, I am saying and pleading to you, my friend, my brother, my sister, that you would come to Christ. Give your life to him. Avoid the wrath of God to come. Because sudden destruction is going to happen. It's inevitable. But we who are saved, who are empowered by the Holy Spirit, I pray that we will be looking up and that we would not neglect our responsibility and our duties as we are being persecuted more and more now of our faith, that we will not lose sight of what God has called us to do and that we will not back down. And so my friends, as we consider the day of the Lord, we see the, the, the injustices in this world, knowing that God's justice will, will make all things new, that he will restore things at some point. So there's good and bad when it comes to the day of the Lord, but there is still time for people who have been postponing, procrastinating, or turning down, or, or looking away, or rejecting the gospel, that today is the day of salvation. And I pray that that's a blessing to you. I appreciate you guys listening. Make sure that you guys check out stanstrongministries.org. If you have any questions, you can send us an email at info at standstrongministries.org. And I look forward to getting your questions or your prayer requests. Till next time, keep standing strong, my friends. 